Welcome back. You're watching Stockwatch with me, Zanati Kuma. Tackling your stock-related questions this evening are Graham Kerner from a Kerner Perspective and Drikas Komring from Capicraft. Don't forget to send those questions via SMS to 41392. Email stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at businessdaytv using the hashtag stockwatch. Thank you so much for your time, Graham and Drikas. But uh, we are still waiting for Drikas to join us. Uh, but Graham, I'll be chatting to you in the meantime. We have a yeah. very um, positive hi, Drikas. Thank you very much for joining us. <laughs> So we really have had um, quite a positive session today. Um, really, really upbeat Asian markets that greeted the JSC. And then we also had uh, the U.S. markets also on uh, very good green ground. The JSC um, up slightly by about a quarter of a percent today. And I'm actually wondering why the JSC is not as upbeat as those Asian markets and those U.S. markets that it's kind of getting uh, the green light from. Starting with you, Graeme. Yeah, good evening. I think um, why we weren't up quite as much as China, um, arguably we didn't experience the same level of pain. I'd say those companies that are very closely linked to China, if you take NASPAS and Process, they had a great day. And then the commodity stocks, I think in large part on the China story, but also I think another theme is that um, the markets are getting a little bit more uh, optimistic, let's say, that the that inflation in the US is peaking and that the Fed will go a little bit slower. I'm not entirely sure I agree with that view. I think we are getting a little ahead of ourselves. Mm -hmm. But I think the bottom line is, uh, you know, our market has actually held up relatively well, really to what we've seen in some of the bloodbath markets, particularly China. So, yeah. Um, yeah, but I think if you look at it, really driven in large part by commodities uh, with the likes of NASPAS doing their part, whereas, you know, the local banks and, and, and some of the local economy and more defensive stocks looking a bit dull in our market today. Yeah, and that's actually where I want to go into, Drikas. I mean, is there anything specific that's really dragging those financials down? I think they were down almost 2% on the day. Oh, I think you're muted. You're muted. Here we go. Yes. Okay, what we actually uh, saw is uh, a bit of sector rotation, um, not only today, but I think Friday as well, um, globally. Mm -hmm. And you've basically seen a, a switch from value, which has outperformed most of the year, back into growth stocks. It's as easy as that. So banks are value as are natural resources. Um, you know, most of the China... Um, jump that we had this morning from those markets didn't, didn't really flow through to to most commodities, to more commodity prices or commodity sectors. Um, and we're seeing that in the international markets as well. Oil is down at the moment um, relative to its levels yesterday. And uh, yeah, so I, I think it's just the market is not paying attention to those sectors at the moment. They're saying we're buying the stuff that's down a lot. Yeah. We're rotating a lot of stuff in, into areas that's been sold off throughout the year. Yeah. Uh, Graham, you actually said earlier that uh, you think the markets are getting ahead of themselves by celebrating this cooling inflation that we are seeing. I mean, today we also got some fresh data with PPI also cooling down as we saw with consumer inflation. Um, why do you think the markets are getting ahead of themselves? Do you maybe think that the, the Fed maybe is also not bringing in the right kind of messaging? 
Well, I think um, you know you had one Fed official basically saying that she favoured a slower uh, hiking uh, tempo, and I think after you know a couple of seventy fives, arguably that that is the right strategy. So I think my my view is that. You know, if you look back over time at what the Fed fund rate or you can take, you know, the U.S. 10-year or whatever rate you like, um, you know, when inflation was running at two, you might have had a Fed fund rate at, at four and you might have had, you know, the, the bond yields at, at four and a half or whatever the number might have been. You know, right now you've got this producer inflation print you're talking about at 8% uh, better than expected. But let's be honest, it's still around 8%. And I saw, you know, some... Um, some payroll data out of the UK earlier today with uh, with wage inflation there is over 5%. So I think what I'm saying is uh, a lot of people are saying, well, you know, it was oil and, and gas prices that fueled this. And when they come down, you know, then the, the pressure's off. But I think what we're missing here is that it's going to take some time for, for inflation to head back. And you, we're not going to go back to two in a hurry. We may very well settle at four. And if that is right, then my... My argument is that, you know, maybe higher rates for longer than people think might be the, the order of the day. So I'm not saying we have to panic. I just think that the market um, was really beaten down, as, as Ricka said. I think a lot of people were sort of saying, well, you know, we want to get back in. And, um, and I think they, they seen sort of these one or two inflation data points and some comments from certain Fed governors as being sort of the indication that the worst is over. But what I'm saying is I think it's going mm. to it's going to drag on for a little while longer because I think it is second round uh, inflation we're now dealing with. It's not just energy prices and it will be into input prices and then they'll come down. We're not into a disinflation environment, you know, 18 months from now. Mm. And just lastly, on the inflation picture, I mean, we have had um, Fed officials coming in uh, with their commentary. Atrikas, on your side, do you think that there's been kind of a tug of war uh, between the Fed officials in, in terms of their messaging? Or do you think that, broadly speaking, they are speaking with the same voice, but maybe the detail is just in the nuances? Yeah, I think maybe there's a bit of difference in the, the speed or the you know of yeah. the rate or interest rate increases but not in the direction mm. um nobody's pausing at the moment maybe they'll slow it down but they're not pausing and just on the inflation front what we're seeing at the moment is what we call the bullwhip effect inventory you know was built up a lot of inventory was ordered sales are dropping and a lot of the retailers in the us and elsewhere sitting with uh, especially in the us are sitting with a lot of um inventory that they need to you know get rid of so we're seeing and that's causing deflation uh, in certain parts of the you know important uh, areas of cpi um second hand uh cause is is yeah. uh, the quintessential you know one so yeah it's a bullwhip effect and i'm with graham you know the second round effects is there you're seeing that in in services inflation etc and uh and it will come down in the short term but, yeah. you know, you have to look um, further than just the next six months. And if inflation comes down down a lot, it's because demand has fallen away tremendously. And, and you know, that's because there's, there's a deep recession at the moment. Um, then you don't want to, you know, be buying into a rally like we're seeing at the moment. Yeah. Uh, talking about inflation and secondhand cars, we did have transaction capital coming out with uh, results today. Uh, the market didn't quite like that update. Um Graham, what did you think of that performance? I mean, just the disappointment from the market. Was it all SA Taxi? 
Yeah, I think so. But I think, you know, the context, as we were saying in the introduction, um, a lot of SA Inc. stocks, so we mentioned the banks, but, you know, a lot of South African incorporated stocks were down. And I agree with Rick, because I think there's sector rotation is almost like a finite pot of money. So anybody who bought South African banks six months ago and sold them more cyclicals um, has made quite a lot of money um, on both legs. And I think money is now chasing. So, um, I, I don't think it was particularly, uh, particularly the, the the results that that weighed on them. Um, but I think it is a it's a tough environment out there. I think the one data point that might have contributed to to the poorer performance on the banks is the consumer comfort index, where you're seeing a lot of consumers under pressure, you know, distressed borrowing, for example, uh, starting to rise. And I think things like that will obviously also hurt. Uh, transaction capital, at least on the short term. But I wouldn't read too much uh, into it, quite frankly. Ah, all right. On your side, Rikas, I mean, you know, I even get the dynamics um, when it comes to the pressure on the SA taxi business. But I mean, if you look at that business, it's exposed to the taxi market that is the cornerstone of the commuter market. And then you have uh, the We Buy Cars section, which, of course, they ha it has been affected by inflation. But at the same time, I feel like the second-hand car market in South Africa is more accessible to South Africans than the new car market. So besides the short-term pressure, um, would you say that transaction capital remains structurally supported to thrive in the South African environment? Yeah, I do. Um, just two points is the, the, the share price is asking a lot of the company. It's sitting okay. on, a, on a lofty valuation, firstly. And secondly, um, you know, it's still operating in the SA environment, which is not excessively bullish. <laughs> mm. Can you use me? You know, put it lightly. So, you know, there's constraints to how, how fast and how you know, much a company can grow within the context of the South African economy. And the share price or the valuation is asking a lot. Yeah. All right. Let's get on to more questions. Um, also a relevant one for today with 91 results coming out. Uh, can the panel uh, give their thoughts on 91 results today? Um, quite expected. Um, you did have assets under management decreasing, headline earnings also down. We did see uh, those outflows of about £3.2 billion. Um, your take on 91, Graham? Yeah, I think the, you know, the market obviously is looking at the, the headline number, but um, you know, it's, it's, it's a difficult business to be running right now um, because costs will, will increase in that business. Obviously, people are a very big part of it. And, you know, not only when you lose assets under management, but markets haven't been broadly supportive. So I think, you know, they were talking about, you know, being in a risk on business in a risk off world. I think yeah. that probably summarizes it well. Um, yeah, so 16% down on earnings looks really sort of shocking. But I think if you look at it in the context of the kind of market that we've been through, remembering, of course, this is to the end of September and markets looked, I would argue, worse then than they do right now. So I would I would say that, you know, if you if you take, a, I think it was a Rand 25 or thereabouts South African dividend, you double that, you 250 on 42 Rand, 6% dividend yield. So, you know, the divi is, is um, you know, obviously in part pegged to, to earnings, but that's a great dividend yield, and I think that speaks volumes to the confidence that they have. But they are talking about a tough environment. 
But you know, I think the point was that 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 they made was that they they lost the AUM really because people were sort of you know hitting hitting the panic button, wanting to exit certain asset classes, you know, rather than being a, a function of their, their their performance. So I think it's one of those those businesses that um, you know when when times are tough, they have to tighten their belt belt a bit, and it, it doesn't look great. But you know, if you did have a, a, a positive market, remember, I mean, they make money, uh, they manage money all over the world. The, the UK operation is quite significant, hence the reporting in pounds. Mm. So it's not just the South African asset base. So I think the market w- was probably too harsh on them. Um, and you know, forty-two rand, if you believe that they still have, you know, that that uh, X factor, and that markets are not going to fall in a heap. I would say it's looking really cheap, and you're being compensated for your for your bet in 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 management by a very juicy dividend yield. That's pretty much what you're getting on cash. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, I think that all in all, the results were not quite as bad as as uh, as the headline number might have shown. Before we go to break, I just want your thoughts, Drickus, on 91. I was actually looking at that share price, and it's been on an upward train, I think, for the last month since about mid October. Um, Obviously, there is short-term pressure, as we saw today. But do you maybe think that most of the bad news has been priced in by now? I'm not sure. I'm, I've got a, a different investment horizon. I think we're in a very um, very long-term structural bear market. Um, asset manager is not the, not the best investment to make uh, in a structural bear market. Um, so, you know, you've got your, your, your fixed base cost there which will increase by inflation uh, over the next few years each year. Mm. While if you're in a bear market, there's not really top-line growth unless you're gathering assets. And I'm not sure who's gathering assets out there. Um, uh, typically, more nimble, flexible type of asset managers, wealth managers. I don't think the big guys are. So there's a question here on Coronation. So I'll give that to Graham. Should I buy Coronation now as a long-term investment? Well, I suppose you, you, you've got to answer that one question. Let's say long-term starts at a three-year horizon. Um, if you take Rikus's view and you say it's going to be a, a bear market, I think both Coronation and 91 will battle. Um, of course, they can do things and they are invested in asset classes where they will earn fees and they could generate performance. It's not all just equities. Um, so I think the question that you have to ask yourself is on, a, on whatever you define to be long-term, three years, five years, do you believe that asset markets will be better? Secondly, uh, do you believe that those houses will not only hold on to the asset, but maybe get more? Um, and you've seen, for example, Coronation has been shedding assets. We spoke about, you know, 91 talking about having shared, um, I think on some fairly focused mandates, some some AUM there. But I think those are both, uh, I would argue, one-offs. So, you, you know, I think what I'm saying here is you're getting compensated with a good yield. Um, I agree with Rikas that on the short term, there's probably some earnings pressure because the uh, cost base will go up and the, you know, if the markets are not friendly, then you don't get any top line growth. But the flip side to that is eventually you will cut your, you know, your, your cloth to suit. So, um, yeah, I would say, you know, I think Coronation and 91 are, are looking for somebody who takes a relatively, not a massively bullish, but who says we're not in a structural bull market, a bear market. I think they they are looking quite compelling, considering the fact that they've they've really been hammered hard. I mean, mm. you know, if you look at Coronation, has been listed for quite a long time. It's it's probably half the level that it was at 
uh, five years ago. So I would say if you're mild, mild, mildly bullish and you still believe in those two houses, which I think are good houses, I would argue that, uh, that there's value there. All right. Just still sticking with you, just the last question on the asset managers. If you do have that bullish outlook, um, what does an investor need to keep in mind then when choosing between, for example, 91, Carnation and Quilter? Yeah, I think just fundamentally look at the, the company's ability to to outperform in, you know, in, in a what I think is a difficult market. Uh, just mm. look at the ability to um, raise money in maybe in new mandates, you know, new funds that is more suited to the environment. Where, um, so it's diff- more difficult for a bigger asset manager to move the needle with something like that. Mm. It's, it's easier for a smaller asset manager. Unfortunately, not a lot of the small guys are listed. Ah, all right. Uh, let's go into more questions. Uh, so we have one here um, on the boxing ring. Uh, is Amplats likely to match or exceed Northern's offer price for RB Plats? Um, yeah, I guess right now uh, the ball is in Implants court to see what they do. Uh, Graham, yeah, are they likely to match or exceed well, Northern's offer? I, I don't know. Um, you know, I mean, I think everybody has got a psychological price unless the, you know, becomes a question of ego. And we saw this, for example, with uh, uh, with Goldfield. Yeah. So, you know, there, there comes a time and we've seen it with NASPAS, you know, where you may want to buy a food delivery business um, and you then eventually just say, look, it's too rich. I can't justify paying that price. So I think Impala um would have to make that decision for themselves but i think everybody is really looking looking for assets and i think we must remember you know when you're in the 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 pgm mining industry it's not like you can say okay well we're going to pivot and we're suddenly going to start making widgets or selling financial services you know that is your 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 lot and just as you know the fossil fuel businesses over decades have tried to add resources i think the same thing is is true for the for the platinum miners so i think they've got their own economics but i think sense must prevail you've got to you've got to pay fair price but i'm not close enough to it and don't have any real insight um you Trigus, um i mean uh, graham talks about that psychological level and i'm wondering because as we saw uh, with goldfields and yamana um well, specifically for goldfields, you did have that pushback from shareholders saying, wait a minute, hold on, this is too expensive and we'll continue punishing you for it. So do you think that, especially from Northern side, because I think it's, it's been agreed that for implants, this is a strategically uh, better uh, acquisition um, than Northern, for example. So do you think that we could start getting that kind of pushback specifically from Northern shareholders? Uh, well, I, I hope so. Um, not from all of them. Well, if Impala if Impala makes another offer, you know, yeah, um, after after the latest one, I, I, I would really be shaking my head at the management team. Not a shareholder. Um, yeah, we we owned some shares in Northern uh, a year ago or so before the bidding started, and we owned some shares in Royal Buffalo King, and we foolishly got out at the first offer. <laughs> um, but yeah, we you know there's there's there are other platinum mines out there, just just more obscure, smaller. But I do think, yes, for these, these guys sit with a lot of free cash flow at the moment. They feel they have to do something with that. I don't, I don't like the idea that management thinks they have to do something with the cash. You know, buy back shares if you think the share is cheap. Start, um, you know, looking for other projects within, you know, and that's a problem. North, both Northern and Implats, you know, they, they're out of projects, out of greenfield projects at the moment. So they feel they have to do these M&As. I don't like it. Um, 
Mm. I'd, I'd rather reinvest my funds, you know, walk away, re, uh, reinvest my funds in other more junior platinum miners if you're bullish on the platinum space. Ah, all right. Um, there's a question here. I'm not sure if uh, Drikas or Graham could answer it. Uh, please ask the panel, um, what happened regarding the proposed listing of Copper 360 on the JSC's Alt-X? It was supposed to take place in October. Did it happen or what is the situation? Um, according to news earlier this year, Big Tree Copper and Ship Copper Company were going to combine as Copper 360 and would then list on the Alt-X of the JSC. Um, is this one that has come into your radar, uh, Graham or Drikas, at any point? No, sorry. Don't see it on, on, on our screens at the moment. So. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, haven't, I haven't followed it. No. All right. But just looking, I mean, at copper, because, I mean, copper is also seen as one of those um, uh, commodities for um, the future. So, I mean, if you're going into that kind of investment, where would you be looking at right now, Graham? Yeah, it's quite difficult in South Africa, uh, you know, to get, get, get pure copper play. So, I think if you, if you, Specifically interested in in uh, copper, I'd look at what one of the one of the international listed that's quite fairly clean because you know in the in the diversified miners in South Africa it's so diluted if anything that uh, yeah but I, I I know the argument for copper on the short term is is quite bullish um, because of of sort of dislocations in supply and demand mm. but I would just caution and look to look through that and you know say maybe three years from now when more supply comes online and if maybe demand there's obviously a lot of drivers for demand for copper right now and if one of those legs gives way then it could disrupt that supply demand dynamic so what i'm saying is short answer is i don't know mm -hmm. but if if you before you you go thundering into copper i think you must just think quite carefully you know what your what your investment hypothesis actually is. Ah, um, Drikas, would this fit into your investment hypothesis? I mean, is copper one of the things that excites you, or maybe not? If if the world's going to electrify, okay, and I think there's limits to that, but I do think you know there there's a push for electrification. Um, you know, not only with electric vehicles, but more broadly. Uh, then the world will need more base metals, especially copper. A lot more copper goes into. Uh, uh, electric vehicle than does into a, a general combustion engine, you know, much, much more. Mm. Um, so there will be demand, but copper hasn't got a supply problem. Um, neither does iron or a lot of other base metals does, you know, they do have a supply problem. Um, but it does de depend on what the South Americans decide politically. Yeah. And there's a lot of noises coming out of there. Uh, so I would advise against owning sh shares in companies that have a lot of exposure there. Um, and, and then own your copper maybe in some developed markets. Um, that's something you look at maybe as Freeport, uh, McMoran, um, which is one of the bigger copper yeah. producers on, you know, on, in, in New York, listed in New York. All right. Just la one last question for anyone who wants to take it. Uh, please ask the panel to look at Invictus Energy for the long to medium term as a buy in Australia. Graham, Drikas, do any of you look at that? I haven't. Um, I can so, for next time, but uh, yeah, I can't comment now. All right. Is that Invicta? Invictus. Invictus Energy in Australia. Well, Invictus. Yes. No, no. Ah, all right. Both, both. I don't know. Some homework for us for the next time. <laughs> Let's get to your stock picks. Uh, let's go to Trickers. Okay. That's Yanko. Yanko is listed in on the ASX Australia. Um, you know, coal prices obviously are high, unsustainably high, even so. 
but I'm not seeing a lot of new greenfields or brownfields coal <laughs> being broken mm. out. So supply <laughs> will be relatively constrained, even though these coal producers are making a lot of cash flow. Yan Coal uh, is now in a net cash position. So I think in the last few months they should have moved into a net cash position. And if the co- if coal prices stay at these levels, only for the next 12 months they will earn their market cap more than their market cap in cash flow. Oh. Um, they've got a lot of um, other issues with um, water in the mines, etc. They're addressing that. But uh, even if the coal price would half from here, they would be sitting yeah. at a full price earnings. All right. Let's get to your stock pick. Uh, Graham, we have about 40 seconds. Okay, I actually wanted to do two um, internationally, Microsoft, and I think the, you know, although it's a tech, it's it's a utility tech with I think very high visibility, and I think the cloud's computing business is going to do very very well for them on the long term. It's run quite nicely in the last uh, little while, but uh, at two forty, I think there's still value. Uh, but current year is going to be tough. But then when you look further out, I think you're looking probably fifteen to twenty percent earnings growth which unwinds that 25 multiple fairly quickly. But um, yeah, I'll just stick with Microsoft for now. All right. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen, for your time and for your analysis today. Thanks to my guests, Graham Kerner from Kerner Perspective and Drikas Komrink from Capricraft. Do join me again tomorrow for the, no, actually not the Friday edition. Tomorrow is Wednesday. But do join Julieta for the Wednesday edition of Stockwatch. Uh, from me, uh, have a good evening. Thank you.